Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, some people, they don't operate with their gift because of this. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't like the gift God gave me. I want your gift. Or I want to be that person over there, that gift. That's not your choice. God knew your makeup. He gave you that gift. And we need you. And you need me. We need each other. That's the way the body works. And so don't waste your time trying to find a different gift that you chose. Remember, it's God's will. It's not our will. One of the reasons the church is so ineffective these days is because its parts either aren't all working or the parts aren't working correctly. Many people wrongly think that beyond warming a seat every week and giving to the church, they don't have a role in the healthy function of the local assembly of believers. Pastor Mark will be illustrating through the teaching of Scripture that these attitudes are not only wrong, they're unbiblical. We need to acknowledge that God has made every one of us for a specific purpose and that our church won't be what it can be until we become obedient to Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 4 with part 3 of his message, A Lifestyle That's Radically Different. Hospitality draws people together. Instead of us just doing our life, going home, going into our gated community, get in, open the garage door, put the car in, close the garage door, go to the backyard, fenced-in yard, nobody can see me, and I do life there. That's not the way life is to be lived. You can't one another people that way. We are to have open houses, and that hospitality allows us to happen. See, here's what I've discovered over these last years. I've discovered that life change happens while I'm teaching. In every one of our services, we've had all kinds of people get saved this weekend. Well, that's not about me. His word's alive. There's change happening in your heart right now. Guaranteed this week, and that's something's really difficult in your life, you never even mentioned the word heaven. But we're going to sing about heaven at the end. Because that's where our home is. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But that you normally don't think about that. But see, I'm going to mention, so you're going to think about it. Spiritual change happens in the church. Absolutely. Number two, spiritual change happens when you open the Bible in your quiet time. It happens. But you know where most spiritual change really happens? It's in a small group. You see, in a small group, as people study God's word together, they discuss the issues and the challenges of life. And pretty soon... You didn't know these people, but you discovered they're just like you. Hello. We're all the same. If I was in that small group and I would share, because I share often from the pulpit, 
I'm just as weak as you are in certain things and just like you are. So nobody's embarrassed. We just pray. We eat together. We care for one another. And we can continue to change. And those things that Peter just said that we're to do, that's where it happens best. So just kind of get in your idea. A couple times a month, you're going to go to a small group or a weekly to a small study, whatever. Now, here's number four. Write it down. Live different versus an unbeliever. How do I do that? I love I forgive. Love covers a multitude of sins. I love, I forgive, and I open my home to one another, which really means you're just opening yourself. You're real. We come and encourage one another. Now, how does that work? How did God make sure that we could do that as a big family? Well, look at verse 10. The first three words in verse 10 are this. Let's read them together. Each of you. Each of you. How many each of you does that apply to in their services here? Every single person. Now, this is only for believers. If you're an unbeliever, you'll be one by the end of the service. Praise the Lord. But this is for believers. Every believer... And I'll just summarize it and we'll read it together. Has a gift from God to serve others. Every single believer has a gift, a God-given gift to serve others. Let's read it. Each of you should use whatever gift. This is not your natural temper. Well, I can, I'm a painter. I can paint. No, this is a spiritual gift. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Most people have one gift that's strong and then maybe one or two other gifts. Now, I don't have time this morning. You can get online. I spent months, many years ago, going through all the gifts. You find the gifts of God in Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4 are the minister gifts, pastors, teachers, prophets, those kind of things. And then Peter's going to give us two gifts. But you find most of those in all of those chapters. Now, I'm going to show you in a moment the motivational gifts. Guaranteed, you have one of these gifts. They motivate us to do the will of God. And we do it to serve others. We don't do it for ourselves. We do it to serve others. See, we're not to do life by ourselves. So I can use my gift. You can use your gift to encourage one another and help one another out. So let's take a look. And I just use the New Living Translation because it's easier for us to understand. Here it is. Now, remember, every Christian has one. So kind of think where you're going and see what you think fits you. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things mediocre. No, you'll see why later, because I'm going to be judged how I use my gift. I will definitely be judged if I don't use my gift. See, I'm a steward of these gifts. Now, you can't say, Pastor Mark, I didn't receive a gift. Uh, No, you just read it. You said you have a gift. So this is all of us. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, that's basically speaking forth God's word. That's one of the things I do. Your testimony can be that way. But that's one of the things that I do. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, 
serve them well. Now, you can just write this down. Every Christian has a gift of serving. Every single Christian. Pastor Mark, I like to be served by other people. Well, I do too. But sorry. Sorry. You are to serve others. Well, where do you get that? Well, his name was Jesus. And you remember what he said one day? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others. So I'm a servant. You're a servant. We're all servants. And it's not about us. It's a God-given grace gift. You can't say, well, I have the gift of a pastor teacher. Look at the people I'm using. No, it's a God-given gift. I didn't earn it. He just gave it to you. My gifts are basically encouraging. You might not believe it. Encouraging. (laughs) Teaching the word of God and leadership. And you'll have a mix of gifts. Here we go. If you are a teacher, teach well. Of course, everything you see there is with excellence. Let's move on. If your gift is to encourage others... Be an encouraging. How many of you like to have somebody come up and encourage you? Let me hear, come on. You liked it. You just had that dinner and somebody went, wow, that was the greatest pie I ever ate. And you're not going to say, well, I bought it at Publix. You just go right on like that. You know, the dough, I was working on it. Yeah, right. All right, here we go. If the gift is giving, give as little as you can. No, what did we learn with financial peace? If I'm generous with God, he's what? He's generous with me. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Because you're a person of influence. All our elders, all our pastors, we understand that. Humbly, we understand that. That's huge. Because they're all leaders. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I want you to just look at me this morning, and I want to say this to you. As you see that happening, look at the end of verse 10. As faithful stewards, in other words, God's going to hold me accountable for my gifts. And I want to be a manager that manages the gift God gave me. Number one, in humility. I didn't deserve it. And number two, with excellence. Now, some people... They don't operate with their gift because of this. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't like the gift God gave me. I want your gift. Or I want to be that person over there, that gift. That's not your choice. God knew your makeup. He gave you that gift. And we need you. And you need me. We need each other. That's the way the body works. And so don't waste your time trying to find a different gift that you chose. Remember, it's God's will. It's not our will. Now, look at verse 11. Peter kind of just mentions quickly, if anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So basically, all these things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him. Be the glory and power forever. We do this not to get accolades ourselves. We do this to make God look good. And I just want to say to you, those two gifts, he provides us the strength. I want to say to you, thank you. There's thousands of people, literally probably three, four thousand, five thousand people that are serving in all kinds of ways 
out of the 9,000 people we have. Thank you so much. You make this place happen. And that's what I want you to write down for number five. Live different. Use your God-given gift to serve others. See, when I do what I do, sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes there's difficult sermons. But when I do what I do, it gives me purpose because that's what God made me to do. And it will do the same for you. And hopefully all of us, it will in the end make God look good. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to apply to us in just a moment. Life hurts for everybody. Believers, unbelievers. This world is currently ruled by Satan. He come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's been defeated, but he's still in the control. Of course, God overrules it. And the reason I say that life hurts for everybody is because of what Peter says in verse 12. Look what he says. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you As though something strange was happening to you. Peter says, none of us should be surprised at the trials that God allows in our lives. Trials and persecutions are all through the Bible. Jesus himself was a perfect role model of that. They're common to all of us. God knows when and how to test us. God helps us endure. He grows us spiritually through it. On our way to heaven. And then he writes a verse that's hard for us. Look at this. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Then he says this. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ. You're blessed. For the spirit of glory and God rests on you. But watch this. If you suffer... As a Christian, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal. Interesting who he puts in here with those lists. A meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Now, I want to stop for a moment and talk about that. If I'm suffering, if I'm hurting today because of my decisions to do something apart from the Bible, and I had somebody... This happens pretty much every service. I have people come and they bring me their hurting things. I don't do really counseling in the office anymore. I do most of my counseling right here at the end of a service. Anytime you want to come, I just wait till all the people are gone and then I go home. Not that I'm the greatest counselor, but I like helping people. And I always go back to the word of God. Well, many people come and they say, I'm hurting really bad. Boom, 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 boom. Every kind of imagination you can have. Usually, it's because they've sinned themselves. They're a Christian, but they've walked outside the will of God and done things exactly what God says not to do. Well, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Now, God forgives. He gives us a new start. Anyone glad for that here this morning? If your hand isn't up, you're lying like crazy because I need a new start quite often, right? That's why the Bible says every day his mercies are new. When you get up this morning, slate's clean, brand new start. Hallelujah. Now, But I shouldn't be surprised as a Christian that life hurts. Because in all of our lives, difficulties come. 
Struggles come. All kinds of things come. And when they come, you have to understand what that looks like. What, what does that look like? What should I do? Well, here's what number five. Write it down. Live different. Don't be shocked. Expect life to be hard. Expect life to hurt. But trust God as he matures you. He doesn't test us to try to defeat us. He tests us to make us better, more like him. Satan loves to bring tests. We don't need them. He loves to bring tests to get us to walk away from God. God gives us hard things so that we can draw ourselves closer to God. Remember what we talked about a few moments ago. The end is at hand. If you're in a hurting situation this morning, I want to give you an illustration. Help me finish it, all of you together. There's light at the The end is at hand. See, God will never lengthen the trial more than you and I can stand. You're hurting today? We all do. Pastor Mark, I'm not hurting. Hold on. See you next week. Is that life or is that life? Of course it is. He says, don't be shocked at this fiery trial. Fiery trial is what gold goes into and it comes out more pure. There's light at the end of the tunnel. What do I mean by that? When God's ready and he knows when, your trial will end. There's joy in the morning. Hold on. Don't give up this morning. He knows exactly how and when and what. So Peter says, come on, just realize it. God's maturing us. He'll never fail us. He'll never fail us. He'll never fail us. Relax. Now, when you see that, look at verse 17. For it's time for the judgment to begin in God's household. And if it begins with us, with these trials, how we react to those trials. Watch this. What will the outcome be for unbelievers, for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And then look at verse 18. If it's hard for the righteous to be saved because of all these trials and stuff, sometimes we just want to throw in the tile, but we don't. We don't throw it in. If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become? What is the outcome for the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to the faithful creator and simply continue to do good. Paul is contrasting something very interesting. Pay attention. The suffering that Christians experience with hurts in life in this world cannot compare to the experience unbelievers will have in eternity in hell for all their life. It's a contrast. What believers suffer now, you cannot ever compare it to what unbelievers will suffer in eternity. Notice what he said. What's the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? What would become of those who are ungodly and sinners? Then I'm just supposed to go on and try to witness and share. Now, here's one thing we know. The Bible teaches that Christ followers go to heaven when they die. 
Any amens out there for that? Okay, good. Here's the verse that shows this. But our citizenship, let's say it, is in, say the word heaven with me. Anybody glad you're going to heaven when you die? Hallelujah. See, if you're an unbeliever, that is not your outcome. And we have to understand that. If that's true, that's why we witness. That's why we pray for open doors. That's why we say to God, my son, my daughter, my nephew, my neighbors, they don't understand what the outcome's got. They're not headed to heaven. They're not citizens of heaven. What will the outcome be for unbelievers who refuse the gospel? What will become of unbeliever sinners when they die? Well, the Bible says there is a real heaven, but there's a real hell. The Bible teaches that all unbelievers go to hell when they die. That was never God's plan. Never. Jesus didn't talk about hell to scare people. He wanted them to know that he was the way of escape. Around it. Never having to experience it. Look at what Jesus writes. This is not some other writer. This is Jesus. He knew the truth about heaven and hell. Look what he writes. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. Because that's going into the ground anyway. But cannot kill the spirit of man. The real you and I, the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Hell is a no place. N-O. With no God. And when there's no God, there's no peace. There's no love, there's no forgiveness, and there's no hope. Hell is a fixed place of torment and agony. There is no escape. There are no second chances. See, the reason Jesus in the Bible talks about hell, it's a loving warning. Don't go there. We don't want you to go there, God says. That was never my plan. That's why I sent Jesus, so that you could find a way, the truth, and the life. As Jesus said to us, there's no way, absolutely, anybody can go to heaven unless it's through me. We need to be reminded again, the time, the end is near. There is no light at the end of the tunnel for an unbeliever because Jesus is the light of the world. And when you come to Jesus, you'll never walk in darkness anymore. Pastor Mark reminded us today that every Christ follower has a place and function within the body of Christ. The challenge for us is to discover what our gifting is and then doing what we can to fulfill our role. When we do that, we will find that our local church operates more smoothly and that we'll experience more of God's blessing in our lives. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This ends Pastor Mark's teaching, a lifestyle that's radically different. We'll be moving on to the next message in this series. We'll be challenged to give up trying to run our own lives, to swallow our pride, and to learn to trust God to take care of our daily crises in the same way we trusted Him for our salvation. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.